Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 444. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hi. If you, I, to be honest, I haven't talked to you in ages. It's uh, yeah, yeah. We it's been two weeks since we did a show, which is you know every now and then we'll take a break here and there, but it's usually just like a week. But this was a two weeker because you had you went you went away and then Mm -hmm. and then the next weekend I believe I was unavailable. So it's yeah, it's been uh, been a while. But hey, we're 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 back at it. We're back at it again. I'm still on a temporary setup right now, so. Apologies for any audio issues. Yeah, but, but we're back big. We're back big. This week we're going to be talking about the Northmen. Big, epic Viking action. Vikings, if you can remember, I think the last time that we recorded, I think it was the last time you brought up Northmen. And I was just like, nah, it's not yeah, thing. You were not. You were not into it. You were so, the kibosh on the Northmen. I'm sure people here, are highly anticipating what I have to say about the Northmen. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we'll be covering that along with some of what we've been watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases on VOD and in Blu-ray. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be very helpful. New say by the 90s. We're going to be recording it uh, today as of this Ooh. episode dropping. Man. Yeah, uh, we're going to be covering controversial best picture winners. Oh, so that 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 includes Forrest Gump, American Beauty, Dances with Wolves, and Shakespeare in Love. And uh, I gotta say that of all of the episodes that we've done on Save by the Nineties, I'm looking forward to this one the least because. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I do that's, not. I do not no, like any of those movies. No, those four movies sound terrible, and it just and, sounds and, really boring. And, yeah, and that's the thing is like they're really long too. Like all of yeah. them. Actually, I don't know how long Shakespeare in Love is, but the other ones are like at least two hours. Dances with Wolves is three hours. I got I got that out of the way first. I already watched that. Gross. I was like, I, I'm just gonna do that. I'm just gonna get this one done. <laughs> then the other ones will be easier. But anyway, yeah, uh, so stay tuned. And American Beauty, of course, is one that I think will be the absolute worst as far as movies that don't stand up to the test of time. Mm. But anyway, uh, stay tuned for that conversation. Let's get into The Northmen. I have a synopsis here from visionary director Robert Eggers comes The Northmen, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. Oh, boy. Now, have you seen The Lighthouse? Did you did you catch yes. up with that one? Okay, yeah. I've, I, I, I've I, seen I, The Eggers. I do recall having a, a discussion about The Lighthouse, and I think, if I remember correctly, you were sort of in the same boat as me, where you were not, you were not really taken aback by it. You were not really into The Lighthouse. No. Either. Not, nor was I. Now... The Witch, I know you saw, because I think we covered that on the show. And if I remember correctly, you did like The Witch, right? I think I, I, think I was, I think I, I liked The Witch enough. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, like, completely swept away with it, but I liked it enough. Okay. That I was like, oh, this, is, this was all right. I liked The Witch quite a bit. And I was, just, I was not very into The Lighthouse. I recognize it for some of its visuals, 
and there were moments that I liked, but overall I found it to be a little a little dry. Now yeah. the Northman, the lighthouse, two and a half stars on Letterbox, and the the Vivitch, the Vivitch, three three stars. Yeah, it, it kind of bothers me that people just say the witch. It's two V's. You can't just be like witch, right? Yeah, got to pronounce it correctly. So what what are your what were your initial impressions of his his new one, which is much grander in scale than than his other movies? So yeah. w- w- what did you think about The Northman? Let me throw it back at you, knowing what you know, the last time that we talked about The Northman, you know, that it was, it was mentioned. What do you think I thought of this? <laughs> I'm going to say that you were not super into it. No, not at all. This is boring as shit. This is unfortunately, a, yeah, a boring unf- ass movie. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I also found it to be a little... A little too dry, just like the lighthouse. Uh, visually stunning. I thought that the that visually there was a lot going on in this that I liked. The bulk of it takes place in Iceland, so you have that. And the the scene when they first go to Iceland, that's actually where I got married. That's like the exact place that yeah. I got married. Yeah. So on that beach. So you know there there were definitely like. The visuals were, were re- really something that I was into. Also, there was a really cool, and I know I'm like jumping all over the place and maybe getting a little bit too t- t- ahead, but there's a really great shot when it was sort of that it was like uh, there were the boats in the river, and then the camera is like going in through like this like pathway in the trees, and then it goes over the water and into the boat. And then turns, and then we're in the boat, and it was such a cool shot. And I'm not exactly sure how they did it, but it looked awesome. Yeah, I think I th- for me that was really the only thing that I will give kudos to is some of the visuals. Some of the visuals are genuinely striking. I think the first time that we're introduced to Amleth's character as in his Viking stage, and it's just green, just mm-hmm. lush green after you know the the snow and everything. Like that just that made me sit up a little bit. But man, I had a feeling about this because, again, I said I'm not really into Vikings. I'm not really into Robert Eggers as a director. And this is essentially exactly what I thought it would be when it comes to Vikings is that Vikings are boring as shit. A, they just yell, just grunting and screaming. There's so much screaming in this goddamn movie. Like, shut yeah. the fuck up. I just wanted to mute this thing so much. A lot of growling, barking. Growling, barking. Yeah, I get it. You're a wolf. Shut the fuck up. Second, Vikings fighting is just, like, the most boring thing in the world. I swing an axe. I swing a sword. I swing a sword. I swing a sword. I howl like a wolf. I scream. I swing a sword. No one does. Like, there's no beauty to the fight. There's no, like, great. There's no fluidity. There's nothing to the right, fighting just, of Vikings. It's just whoever gets hit first is pretty much yes. dead. <laughs> like that's that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> the the level of like it's just, and then in those arms fighting. in those arms are swords, sharp objects. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. The like the first time you see it you're like, "Oh, I guess it's just brute force, which is just boring as hell." I'm sorry. Although, although there was really one really awesome scene when they attacked that village. And the the dude threw the spear, and Alexander Skarsgård's character caught the spear and threw it back. Yeah, that was a badass I, scene. No, I disagree. Oh come on, he caught the spear, like, dude. Yeah, 
He's not catching no fucking spear. Shut up. He caught that shit and threw it right back. He said, here. Yeah. You take it, Fant- you take it back. Goddamn fantasy land. <laughs> fucking. Well, there is, I mean, it, there is a level of fantasy to this. I mean, there is some kind of supernatural stuff going on. Which I could have used more of, honestly. Same. I mean, actually, I agree. I like it when they in, in, just throw in some, like, kind of high fantasy, like, supernatural witchcraft stuff in it. Like... I'm glad that they did that, and I could have used more of it as well. Yeah, I was a little bit bummed, too, though. Like, when he goes to find that super special sword. Yeah. I thought, that, I thought that thing was just going to rip people to shreds. I thought it was going to catch on fire, too, because they, they, they were kind of acting like yeah, they, it was going to be this crazy fire blade. and Yeah. But it was just a regular sword, man. I was, I was really disappointed about that, yeah. too. And, I mean, he fights that, that corpse to get it. But then they completely undercut it immediately because he's like he defeats the corpse and then it's just like straight back to him walking up to the corpse and just grabbing the sword. It's like, okay, I don't know if we needed that. He kind of ruined it. Yeah. Him fighting the corpse was kind of great. But but there was also some of the high fantasy stuff. I think this is where it I enjoyed the high fantasy stuff. I wish there was more of it. But at the same time, the high fantasy stuff were in terms of visually, some of the worst parts of the movie, like the whole, like, uh, the Tree of Kings, like, mm. that bad. That just looked really bad. I feel like the, the the tree in Elden Ring looks better. Yeah, it's just, like, some of that, you know, the high fantasy stuff, like, the way in which they presented it visually just looked really awful. Well, that that's actually one of my biggest complaints about this, and I, I think that one of the things that, that makes me feel like it was dragging is the kind of surreal moments, the, the kind of fantasy, uh, like um, the visions, the hallucinations that the kind of drug trippy type stuff that happens. There's a lot of that, that, that happens in this movie. And I feel like a lot of it just doesn't work. Yeah. I, I did not like that. And I felt like it, it, it fucked with the pacing of the movie and, and I just could have, done without all of that type of stuff because again like they were putting all these like crazy visuals in during these scenes but it it didn't i felt like it didn't really aid to it didn't really aid in the story much like it didn't add anything other than another visual layer which i thought that the visuals were strong enough to stand on their own without the kind of crazy dream sequences and stuff like that yeah and I think that's going to come down to the thing that I hated about this the most is, is outside of it just, you know, it being boring. Vikings just, they, they won't shut the fuck up with their growling and howling and whatnot, screaming, their boring ass fighting. But the story of this is just, <laughs> there's nothing to it. It's a very basic, just like revenge. Eye for an eye leaves us all blind. It's okay. Got ya. Yeah, and, and it's just and the this other, epic thing. It just and it just keeps going and going. It's like, yeah, I okay. The other issue I had, and I think that this goes along with the the story being pretty th- threadbare, was that most of the characters, aside from Alexander Skarsgård as as Amleth, were pretty one dimensional. Like I, I felt like Anya Taylor Joy's character, it, that like they kind of played her up as being something special like she was clearly 
someone who had a, a very deep background and there was a lot going on with her character, but we didn't get to really see any of that. And I felt like we just barely scratched the surface of understanding like who she was. Yeah. And I think the same can be said for a lot of the other characters too. And like, I kind of predicted the way that, that things were going with the way things would turn out with his, his mom, who's played by Nicole Kidman and how that would turn out. Um, but yeah, I agree. It just uh, felt pretty basic. I think that a lot of the, this movie just hinges on the visuals. I think that that was one of the things that they were really kind of, you know, banking on was the strong visual storytelling and, while it's good, I just uh, it wasn't enough uh, for me. God. Anything else you want to add about the Northman? No, I just want to kind of follow up with you to kind of reiterate what you said. It's like to me, there's just absolutely no complexity to any of these characters. Like you said, Alexander Skarsgård's character maybe has the most, but even him, it's not that much. He's getting, you know, he gets thrown a curveball towards the end, and that's about it. Like there's well, just there's nothing going on with anyone. Well, and I think one of the, the things is we see Skarsgård as a child and then we jump ahead. It literally says like many years later on the, the title card. So we don't see like how he's really developed, except for now he's like this kind of, you know, grunting Viking dude. Yeah. So it's it's like, although we kind of see the journey that he his character took. It's still not really that interesting. Yeah, and they they do that a couple of times. There's a couple of things they do, like the the um trying to think of what you would compare it to, like the wooden lacrosse game. I guess. Oh yeah, it's like field hockey. Yeah, it's like a mix between field hockey and lacrosse, and it's just like, uh, who are these people? <laughs> they just, who they just like, who's playing who? It seemed like it was the slaves versus the like non-slaves yeah but like the kid was getting upset but i didn't see the slaves score a single point and he was all upset about them like i don't don't know it seemed like he just got got like a super amped up into it like he was like all into it it was weird it was a it it was i liked the scene but like what the kid did and that was just kind of strange yeah, I mean, that kid's dumb as hell. Like, even if he didn't die at that point, you know he's going to die at some point because he's <laughs> dumb as hell. Uh, idiot kid. Idiot kids. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and give this thing a score. What are you going to give it out of 10? Oh, man. Because honestly, really, the, like, talking about, like, the visuals, and the visuals are great at some points, but the times in which it's great is the landscapes. And dwarfing right. the action in the landscapes, which I feel like you have to go out of your way to fuck that up. Especially yeah. considering we didn't even talk about this. The the ending, you know, the fight at the gates mm. of hell. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just the most lackluster thing I've seen. In I ages. was so disappointed with that because the like he's like faded. What did he say? He's like it's he's faded to like fight at the fire river or something like that and it's just like oh man he's gonna be fighting in like a river that's burning and it's gonna be nuts and what actually happens is uh far from it it's just not no not it's it's it's, it's, yeah it's pretty lackluster unfortunately 
I forgot to mention, I, I did want to mention that Bjork's in this. Yeah. And when she when she shows up, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Bjork. Like, I think that's her, but I wasn't like completely positive. And I looked it up and sure enough. Yeah. And was. I think that's another uh, the connection. I was kind of disappointed because I did not know that Shown, the Icelandic poet slash writer slash numerous things, was a co-writer on this with Eggers. He's done a lot of collaborations with Bjork. I'm literally looking at three of uh, Schoen's books that I own, and I'm a fan of him. And this was just that, like, that made it even worse. Like, when I saw that in the end credits, I was like, oh, really? Like, I thought this was just Eggers fucking it up, but it was Schoen too. That's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, a lot of people are into this one. So I think that your mileage may vary with it i think that oh yeah even though we were not like super into this one and i think that i liked it maybe a little bit more than you but a lot of people seem to be really digging it oh yeah so no i i know that my sister-in-law has seen it three times in theaters already oh wow wow yeah i can't imagine i really can't imagine watching this a second time i I just i barely i barely made it through one time you know how how much i this this blows my mind. A, I did not smoke once during this movie. B, you know how often I wanted to smoke during this movie? <laughs> Many times, I would imagine. It, numerous, numerous. Almost every 20 minutes, that's just like, I just let's just pause it and smoke. Do that instead. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't, it didn't really start losing me until maybe halfway through i started feeling like okay this is this is starting to lose me a little bit here i like the title cards i thought those were cool yeah i'm yeah they're all right i think it's just i got off because like i said i knew what the viking thing would be and it turned out to be exactly what i thought it would be which is just way too much grunting and yelling and screaming and howling i just wanted them to shut the fuck up yeah and i like viking stuff not as much as other other things but i'm okay with viking stuff what's that com there's a there's an icelandic comedy about vikings it's on netflix can't remember the name of it but i remember being so surprised at how funny and well made that was damn it i can't remember the name of that do you know what i'm talking about uh, norseman yeah norseman because i knew it was something that was very similar to the northman i i would much prefer that over this all yeah. right, let's go ahead and give it a score. We're going to give it a 10. Man, I originally was sitting at like a five because I was like, ah, you know, it's not too bad. But then discussing it, I like a four. Mm. I'm at like a five and a half on this one. It's it's kind of right down the middle for me again. Like performances wise, I did think that the the performances were quite good. Everybody in it was quite good. And, you know, the as we said numerous times, visuals were quite good, too. So. Yeah, for me, it's kind of right down the middle. And, and you know, I like revenge stories, too. So it's a little bit above average for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. That is playing in theaters right now. And it is also available as a premium VOD rental. So you yeah. can you can watch it at home. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. All right. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching, even though we haven't been uh recording for a couple weeks i I don't have much to talk about 
because my life is still in chaos right now. But I did see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, real quick before you say that, because I have not seen anything for this. But when I was on vacation, I get to watch TV and it was just a ton of trailers for this movie. And the trailers made this look like really bad. Like the <laughs> visuals are just like like laughably bad, like below TV quality. Is that um no, I think that the visuals were fine. I mean, they weren't anything to write home about. Now, I was like not into this at all. Like I just did not care about this movie. I liked the first Doctor Strange, to be clear. Uh, I liked it quite a bit, but this one just Aside from the title, I like the title a lot. It really wasn't doing it for me. The fact that that Scott Derrickson left the project and then they gave it to Sam Raimi, like obviously Sam Raimi has there's there's a lot of nostalgia I have with that director, but he really he's been pretty much just doing Disney stuff for, you know, forever aside from uh Drag Me to Hell, which was incredible. But anyway, I, I I thought this was fine. It was like an average Marvel movie to me. There were some cool elements. There was a lot of cool fan servicey kind of stuff in there. Some of the visuals were interesting. It's definitely a Sam Raimi movie, which is kind of not not, not really expected. Like I didn't really expect to see this and be like, oh yeah, that definitely feels like a Raimi movie. But he was, I guess, allowed to to incorporate some of his like kind of evil dead like stuff in here and in that regard it is kind of interesting like there there are definitely winks and nods to to evil dead in this which i didn't expect and you know it plays out more like a horror movie it's probably the closest thing we'll ever get to a marvel horror movie so marvel studios horror movie that is and i'm not i'm not counting like uh freaking morbius in there <laughs> so yeah i don't know it's it's a uh, yeah, straight down the middle for me. I don't think you need to see it in theaters or anything like that. Yeah. yeah all right. Doctor Strange. This looked absolutely terrible to me when I saw well, it. You liked, you liked the first one, right? No, I didn't even finish the first one. I hated what? that shit. I, what? I thought you were into it. No. I hated mm. I just, like, I didn't like the character at all. And Cumberbatch as that character. He just, I just couldn't do it. Interesting. Couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was... Probably the last Marvel movie that I tried. I think that's when I was just like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. Hmm. And I moved on with my life. There you go. And I moved on to an absolute banger. This is a movie that I've seen on numerous lists in terms of like absolute greatest horror movies to exist. Just cold-blooded horror movies. And that's Angst from 1983, Gerald Carl. And I'm surprised to find that this is really the only thing that he directed. Like, since then, he's made, like, documentaries and TV stuff and stuff like that. But this is really the only movie movie that he has made. Uh, and he made it uh, alongside of uh, Zbigniew uh, Rybczynski, who does... He was a producer, writer, editor. He did the cinematography. And the cinematography is what's going to stand out to you right off the bat for angst. The cinematography is anything that I've ever seen, honestly. And that alone, watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's just gonna it's gonna blow your mind. It's incredible. Uh, and also, just the, the the construction of this. So you're immediately introduced to this guy. Uh, Urban Leader plays the main character, and 
like it's the I forget what that camera's called where it's attached to like the front, like they wear it as like a harness on the front of them. So it's yeah. fixated on their face. Mm-hmm. And it's just him. He's the you know he's disheveled. He's you can tell that he's out of sorts, and he's just like wandering around this neighborhood. He's checking out houses and stuff, and you can just tell he's in a bad way. Really, no dialogue, anything. He's just walking around. He's kind of freaking out, sweating, all this stuff. He finally picks a house, walks up to it, rings the doorbell. An old lady answers. The only thing that he says is, "I'm shooting now," which is him pulling out a gun and. He shoots her like three or four times, kills her. He's arrested. And it's kind of like this documentary type deal. After that, it's like still photographs of like his upbringing and his childhood and all these things. And then he's essentially released from prison, I think after like 10 years. And he gets released and he's so fucking excited because he's, he's dreamed up his, his dream scenario, which is he wants to break into a house and live out his fantasies of killing multiple people. So it's him trying to find a house, which eventually he does. He breaks in, and this is all kind of like in real time. And then he just murders everyone inside of the house. And it's just completely detached, very cold-blooded, uh, very bizarre and fucked up. And just the cinematography, the way in which it's shot, is just incredible. The music is a little bit dated, because it's kind of that, like, industrial... It's a bit it's a bit too upbeat. Like maybe in the eighties it didn't sound upbeat, but you know, twenty twenty two it sounds really upbeat and kind of a bit off. But it also kind of works because it's just the whole thing is just fucked up. Mm, and okay. honestly, you like you especially need to watch Angst. Yeah, You're I've seen this on like, like a, I, I I've also seen this on a ton of lists and I just haven't got around to it, but I'll make it a priority now. Yeah, it's not as cool. Like, in the 80s, I'm sure it was like, oh my god, this is deranged and fucked up. But watching it in 2022, you're kind of like, eh, I mean, it's cold-blooded, but yeah. it's not that bad. Okay. Uh, that's angst. Switching gears a bit, I saw Uncharted, <laughs> directed by Ruben Fleischer. There you go. I really wish that uh, Dan Trachtenberg was... Still, I really would have liked to to seen have seen his version of this because I bet it would I bet it would be really good because there was promise with this movie. Like it wasn't all bad. Some of the action set pieces were fun. But at the end of the day, it was like really just kind of bland. It, yeah. it played it. It played it super safe. It was very much tied to the video game the which is fine i don't i don't have a problem with that because i think that uncharted in and of itself like the story is good enough that you can just adapt it do a straight adaptation into a movie and i don't think that you would like lose much there yeah. but um but with this it's just it's like meh it's like the tomb raider reboot that they did a few years back where yeah. it's like it's not necessarily bad it's not like offensively bad but it's just incredibly forgettable. It's it's like t- it's glossy and very heavy with CG, but they check all the boxes. There's lots of fun adventure moments. There's the dialogue's pretty good. Like the banter back and forth between uh, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg is good, but uh, it's just uh yeah, it's, a, it's it's just a bit meh at the end of the day. Forgettable, very yeah. forgettable. I definitely see that. 
Uh, the only other thing that I watched, which was not meh, and that's Fritz Lang's Ministry of Fear from 1944. Get some Fritz Lang up in here. This is a, a World War II kind of like espionage thriller, but an espionage thriller where the, like an every man is kind of thrust into the center of it, which is Stephen Neal played by Ray Milland, who is... He's released from an insane asylum, right? He's been spending two years in there. He killed his wife. It was a mercy killing because she was dying. She had a terminal, you know, a terminal disease. So they put him in a, an asylum. He gets released. He's in this podunk town. He wins a cake. He wins a cake. This is, this is the beauty of this movie. He wins a cake at a <laughs> fair. But this cake, someone else wants this cake. There's something inside this cake. The Nazis mm. won it. Uh-oh. So he ends up going to London. He just wants to live a quiet life now. But now he's getting wrapped up in this web of Nazis, cakes, seances. He goes to a seance. There's a murder. He's pinned for it. Now he's on the run. He's got to go down in the in the, uh, in the the subway because they're getting bombed. Like that, I mean, literally, this movie has everything. It's insane. And he's just a guy. He's just a guy that was released from an insane asylum. Just not... But, you know, one day ago, and now he's just completely embroiled in this entire situation. He's trying to figure it out. And I, I mean, I just I had so much fun with this because it's just that old timey, like perfect, like kind of condensed thriller where they keep it simple. They keep the storyline tight. There's not like offshoots or anything like that. We're just we get on the path from A and we go straight to B. And of course, it's Fritz Lang, so the black and white uh, cinematography is just outstanding. There's some beautiful use of the shadows, especially at the end of the film where uh, there's like a shootout, but it's in the dark. So all you get is people momentarily lit up by like the muzzle flashes. Ooh, I like that. Oh yeah. Oh, it was. It's so good. The only thing that sucks about this, and really the only thing that sucked about this entire movie, is that's like the ending, right? And it's just mm. incredible just looks great and then there's this like what i can only imagine is kind of a studio interference where they tack on an ending after that oh. which is him and his love interest driving and it looks terrible because they're not driving <laughs> and she's like oh we're gonna get married we're gonna have a church wedding da, 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 and we're gonna have a cake and he just turns and goes cake because <laughs> you know wow. you know you know he bought the, yeah. he won that cake that the Nazis wanted. So it ended bad. But it's that little tiny stinger that you can just be like, well, I can just imagine that that never happened. Mm. Mm-hmm. And just clip that off with some scissors yeah. in my memory. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, cool. That's Ministry of Fear. Uh, it seems like you definitely had a better couple of weeks than I did because the, the last one that I'll talk about is Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Well, uh, I, yeah, I think I can pinpoint your problem. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, t- two video game movies in here. Uh, this is directed by Jeff Fowler. He's the guy who did the first one. And, you know, I didn't hate the first one, and I actually don't hate this one either. Uh, I had more fun with this than in, than Uncharted. And, you know, this is uh, exactly what I expected it to be. As far as the kind of live action CG family movies go. This is pretty good. It, it is, it has some genuinely funny moments. There's some fun set pieces. There's a ton, an absolute ton of fan service. So if you're a fan of the Sonic games, 
this is definitely one to check out. If you're not familiar, this one uh, sees the return of Dr. Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey. And you also have Tails in this one, as well as Knuckles. And Knuckles is voiced by Idris Elba. So I just that, saw that. <laughs> yeah. So it's incredible. Yeah, that's actually really fun. And the, the addition of Knuckles and the fact that he's like in it a good bit uh, definitely aids in this because the whole the whole kind of thing with Knuckles is that he's like not he's not from from Earth or anything. You know, he's like from an alien planet, so he doesn't know anything. So he's just kind of dumb and he's just this kind of like dumb brute. And he's so he's pretty funny. I would compare him to uh, Dave Batista's character in Guardians of the Galaxy, some, something like that, where. He's got a lot of funny. He, he just says a lot of funny shit. So yeah, I I enjoyed Sonic Two overall. There's there's a stinger for a third one. So I, so there's they're they're working on a third one now. And yeah, it's just it's fun. Like the the CG is hit or miss. Some of it looks pretty good. Some of it looks absolutely awful. But uh, yeah, they do they do a lot of fun stuff to weave in the video games that. You know, because when you look at Sonic, the video game, like it's like, how can you turn this into a movie? It's just this like platformer that didn't really have a lot of story. And how are you going to like translate what happens in that in this 2D platformer into like a live action movie? But they do some creative things to to throw in some uh, some fan servicey stuff. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, actually. Sonic 2. Check it out. It's on VOD. Out of all the things that you, you mentioned here. It sounds like Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was the high point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredible. <laughs> I, I think it was. Wow. I mean, it's the high point, but it's not like... Oh, yeah. You know, no, I know. It's a it's a two and a half for me on Letterboxd. So yeah. It's, it's not I, yeah, I mean, necessarily... It's just, no, it's definitely... You had a bad run there, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been watching some good TV, so th- at least there's that. There you go. All right, let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. On the 17th, we have Hatching coming out. That is the horror movie uh, from IFC Midnight. Looks pretty creepy. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. This one, I'll probably check it out. On the 17th, we have Duel coming out. This is the Riley Stearns uh, sort of kind of sci-fi movie about about a young woman who gets a a terminal diagnosis and she decides to have herself cloned so as to spare her family from the grief of of um losing her only to find out that she is not dying after all and due to the cloning laws there can only be one so they have to have a duel to the death to see who which one gets to take over the life. I'm interested in this one. Yeah, I saw this uh, at Sundance, and I liked it quite a bit. If you're, I, if also, you, it, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm also interested in the fact that the composer the that does the the music for the film is uh, Emma Ruth Rundle, which I'm a big fan of. So. Well, I, I think you'll like it. It's weird. It's if you're, it's, I know that you didn't see the art of self defense, but it's very much. Uh, presented in that same style where the dialogue is like very stilted it's it's like an unnatural way of presenting dialogue and i could see that that could be problematic for some people but i actually like it quite a bit okay so yeah maybe we'll that'll be our movie for next week we'll see 
Let's, on, let's do it. Yeah, we'll 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 pencil it in. We'll pencil it pencil in. It. We'll see. What, yeah. We'll see what the other things that you have to just say make here. sure. You know, like I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to pigeonhole myself into the into this one thing when something magical might come up. You know. Yeah, you never know what Netflix is going to drop. Never know what you're going to get. Uh, all right, on Blu-ray this week we have the man who shot Liberty Valance from 1962. Escape from New York is getting a 4K release. Top Secret is coming out. I feel like Top Secret had multiple Blu-ray releases, which is. It's an odd one to have multiple Blu-ray releases, but there we go. Uh, let's see. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Got Licorice Pizza coming out. If you haven't seen that yet, highly recommend. The Craft from 1996 coming out on 4K. That's It's the original one. Extreme Prejudice from 1987 coming out on the Vestron Collector series. I'm a big fan of that series. Femme Fatale from 2002. We got Girls Night Out from 1982. That looks awesome. Uh, that's an Arrow release. We got Hell or High Water coming out in 4K. Uh, Bell from last year. Without Warning from 1980. Infinite coming out in 4K. Totally forgot about that movie. I bet you don't even know what that is. No, I don't. It's with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not really interested. There's a crazy oh, a, looking... Oh. It's a Fuqua movie. Yeah, yeah, sci-fi. What? Sci-fi? Two? Mm -hmm. What? Yep. Wow. It doesn't look very good. Escape from New York is also getting a box set in addition to its regular 4K release. And it's got a, it comes in a really cool looking box. And it includes like a poster and some pins and looks like maybe like playing cards or something. And it comes with the vinyl soundtrack. Damn. This thing look it looks awesome. Getting everything. Got the Scare Maker from 1982. That's coming out on Arrow. Uh, let's see. Red Post on Escher Street. Um, Death Valley. That's a that's on Shutter. Mm, that's pretty much it. What about Criterion's? Oh, we got one Criterion. That's the Funeral from 1984. Juzo Atami, which uh, dude, reading over the the synopsis of this that's on the the Criterion website. One thing that has stuck out to me, which I think is reason enough to check this movie out. I don't know anything about it outside of this, but cinema's most epic handwich sand handoff. Sandwich handoff. Cinema's <laughs> most epic sandwich handoff. I like how you said handwich. I'm like, what's a handwich? <laughs> it's a handheld, you know. I think there was, I think there actually was a, a Disney, like a, a Disney world treat called the hand witch. Mm. And it was like, it was a, it was a sandwich that was like cone shaped. Yep. It says Disney hand witch. Yeah. It discontinued it. The sandwich of the future to be eaten. The hand witch is a bread cone that was given one of four fillings, ham and cheese, barbecue chicken, roast beef and cheddar. Tuna salad. Imagine having a fucking handwich tuna salad. <laughs> just, 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 salad. Not, <laughs> just noshing on some tuna salad. Humi the magic kingdom. Oh god. You get you get some of that like splash mountain water on there too. Oh, oh boy. Lord. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh my god. I wanna know I wanna know the ratio of 
people that have gotten the tuna salad sandwich and then subsequently have vomited somewhere <laughs> inside the confines of Tomorrowland. Oh yeah, you know that that you know that. I mean, there was a they they discontinued it for some reason. I'm pretty people, sure it was the two. <laughs> people were not into the sandwich. They were presented with it. They're like, look, be the sandwich entirely, or just eliminate tuna salad as an option. And the guy that came up with the sandwich was like, absolutely not. If there's no tuna salad, it doesn't. It's all exist or nothing. Perform. Sorry, I walk. <laughs> Oh my god, the hand witch. I actually knew that because there is a YouTube channel I watch called Defunct Land, and they the the channel goes over like canceled theme park rides and stuff like that, and and they had an episode on the hand witch. That's how I knew that. Uh, oh god, it's it's great. Cool. Uh, all right, I think that's gonna do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And if you have a minute, please review us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.